Welcome to the Farm Team Podcast, presented by HockeyAI.tech. I'm your host, Elliot Sheen. I'd like to take this opportunity to acknowledge that this episode was recorded in Calgary, Alberta, on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Nations, which includes the Siksika, the Pekani, the Kainai, and we also acknowledge the Sutina and Stony Nakoda First Nations, the Métis Nation, and all the people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. Thank you. In today's episode of the Farm Team Podcast, I'm honored to be joined by a longtime friend of mine, Drew Owsley. Drew currently resides in his hometown of Lethbridge, Alberta, where he's a senior accountant for one of the largest accounting firms in the world. Following the footsteps of his father and paving the way for his brother, Drew was drawn to the net at a very young age. He developed a passion for hockey and the position and was able to learn the game from his father and also the infamous Lethbridge goaltending coach, Jeff Bata. Drew went undrafted in the WHL Bantam draft, but that did not deter him. And in his last year of midget, Drew was named the most valuable player of the Alberta Midget, Junior, or midget Hockey League. The following season in 2008, Drew signed with the Western Hockey League's Tri-City Americans, where he went on to play three seasons highlighted by being named the 2010 Western Conference Finals MVP, which led to a berth to the 2010 WHL Finals against the Calgary Hitmen. In 2011, Drew was traded to Prince George and was named team MVP at the end of his first and only season with the Cougars. At the conclusion of his major junior career, Drew amassed an amazing 186 games played with 98 wins and a 2.89 goals against average and a 9.0 er, save percentage and post 12 career shutouts. After a tremendous junior hockey career, Drew pursued what he earned and played four seasons in Antigonesh, Nova Scotia for the St. Francis Xavier X-Men. In his senior campaign, Drew led the X-Men in their bid to secure the Atlantic University Sport Conference Championship, which ultimately led to a shot at the 2016 University Cup. The following year, Drew made his professional debut with the Wichita Thunder in the East CHL and retired at the conclusion of the season. Drew joins us today to talk more about his underdog story and what it took for him to achieve all the success he's had in sports and life in general. And with that, Alice, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's quite the intro. Yeah, I got to comb through that one again, maybe, I think. <laughs> But, uh, it, well, yeah, thanks for joining me. I know, I know obviously, it's tax season. You, you got a lot going on. So, thanks for taking the time to, to join me. Yeah, anytime. That's awesome. So, yeah, you're based in Lethbridge, hey? For, you've been back since uh, you kind of retired from pro hockey? Yeah, ever, ever since I uh, finished up in Wichita there, I've been back in Lethbridge and um, worked one year at Davis at the car dealership and then yep. um, got into M&P, and I've been here for uh, – two and a bit years now, I guess. And I, I just passed the, the CPA exam in, uh, in November. So, awesome. so it's, it's been a bit of a grind for the last couple of years, but, um, you know, that's all past me now. So looking forward to just kind of keep going, but. Absolutely. That's well, congrats on that. I mean, that's huge probably for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty big. It's, it's like two years and you're doing it while you're working. So, um, it's about, I think they say it's, it's about, you know, 15 to 20 hours a week on top of work every week for, for two years. And then the, the big test is, I think it was three days, five hours a day long. For so a test? It's, yeah. For the, for the final test. So uh, yeah, I was pretty relieved to get that done. So. So is, is it something that you like work on on the side, like you said, and is it uh, like, or are you just kind of studying and doing like different projects and that kind of stuff? What, what's that? What's yes. Yeah, so it's, it's, um, it's four modules basically. And, um, it's all in your own time. So, yeah. um, you know, the office pays for it and stuff, but 
you got four modules. So you, you hand in, I think it's like two assignments every week. And then uh, each module is about eight weeks. And then at, at the end of each module, you have a test. Yeah. So you got to get through, through those four, those four tests. And then um, you got like a presentation to do. And then the, the very final test at the end. And then that means you're a chartered accountant at that point, eh? Yeah. And like, I, technically I'm not a CPA yet because you have to do a certain required amount of months. Yeah. And I think I, I need about two more months or something to like officially get my letters. But yeah, the, the hard part's behind me. So hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you're an MMP in Lethbridge. Obviously it's uh, yeah. a pretty big tax accounting firm in Southern Alberta. Uh, is it a pretty big yeah. office? How many, how many guys you got there? Guys and girls? I don't, you know, I don't even know. Like it's a pretty, it is a pretty big office. Like I would say we have over a hundred full-time yeah. employees here for sure. Yeah. yeah so it, it is a, a pretty, pretty big office. Yeah. And is accounting something you're in, seem to be enjoying at this point? Yeah. I mean, you know, it, the, the tax season is a bit of a grind, but yeah. Um, you know, that's what I took in school and um, I do enjoy, I enjoy the people here and, you know, you know, some of the work isn't the most enjoyable stuff, but some of it is uh, pretty interesting and, and I do enjoy it. So, yeah, I know it's a steady job and something that you can definitely progress throughout your career uh, doing that. So, yeah. And it's uh, one of those jobs where, you know, every money's never going to go away. So yeah, um, it's one of those, those, those jobs that's, you know, pretty, pretty steady and it'll always be there. So. Yeah. It'll be interesting though. I mean, another time we can have a conversation about this, but just then in, yeah. in the age of digital currency, uh, I actually right. met with uh, Clay and Brett Howe earlier this week and we were talking oh, about yeah, you did, uh, yeah. some Bitcoin and all that Bitcoin. kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's right. interesting yeah. to, just to see what, what, like what the, I mean, from your perspective, it might be a little bit different than what, you know, some other people that aren't in that, the money side. Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, just with Clay, he's pretty much got our, our whole friend group. We, we all have, have a little bit now yeah. and it's just fun to watch it kind of, you know, go up and down, but you know, it's kind of one of those things where, and I don't fully understand it, but mm-hmm. they know a lot more than I do about it. But I mean, at some point it's good. You know, it obviously has value. So at some point there, I think people will be paying regularly with, with cryptocurrency and stuff like that. So. Yeah. And there's, there's numerous types of it out there. It's not just Bitcoin, I guess too. So but right. it was a, it was a yeah. fascinating conversation with just the way he was explaining it to me. And, you know, it does seem like we might be entering a new form of currency at some point and obviously you needed some major shift to happen and with what happened with this pandemic it's you know kind of one of those times where it could potentially play out yeah and i think like i i'm pretty sure like mastercards like getting in on it and stuff so like i'm like pretty not too far away i think you're gonna be able to go and you know tap your credit card and pay with bitcoin like bitcoin yeah it's just gonna be it'll just be like a you know a normal currency but the crazy thing is there's only so much of it out there. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, is there a tax, is there tax implications with stuff like uh, cryptocurrencies and stuff like that? Or is that something that's still a new, a new age, I guess. Yeah. I think that's still pretty new. Like I know, I don't even think our office touches it. Like I think we send all of our cryptocurrency clients to like, I don't know, either the Calgary office or another office that has like somebody that, specializes in that type of thing because i yeah so i don't really know what the the tax implications are you have to do some lunch and learns with mmp when they have <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> yeah hopefully they yeah. got a couple extra i'm sure there's a couple experts within the the company that could 
explain it to you yeah, kind of I, a, for dummies, I guess, too. Cause I've, I, again, I've tried yeah, to like, I think follow like, it on YouTube and everything, but it's hard. Right. Yeah. I know. And, and Clay always sent us these podcasts and stuff and, and yeah. uh, I always listen and just at work and stuff, but some of the stuff's just kind of over top over my head. So, but Clay, Clay's pretty good at explaining and he, he's obviously researched it like a ton. Yeah. So and I knows. mean, they kind of have a pretty interesting idea too. I won't get into the intricacies of it, but just in Western Canada, it right. seems like a big, big opportunity out here just in terms of the energy sector and just, you know, raw materials that can be fed into right. producing enough energy to take or to, to mine for this, this Bitcoin. To mine stuff. it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So yeah, I was, it's been fuck, it's probably at least 10, 15 years since we kind of touched base last and, you know, yeah, I think the last time I would have seen you was maybe at Orbs, at Brant's wedding, maybe. Okay, yeah, yeah. Might have been the last time I seen you, yeah. Yeah, it was back-to-back weekends there. That was right when I got back to Canada, so yeah, it was awesome. Right. It was, it had, uh, Orby got married, and then Marty got married right after, so. Right, right, yeah. Perfect. But yeah, so you've been back in Lethbridge, obviously, right after Wichita. It was. A, did you move from Wichita right back to Lethbridge, or did you take a detour around? No, Right after Wichita, I came back to Lethbridge yeah. and, and kind of pretty much started working, you know, pretty much right away. So, was it yeah. Lethbridge that you wanted to come back to, or was it kind of just you, at the end of the season, like, what do I want to play, or what, what's the, the next step there? Yeah, like uh, after the season was done, I kind of knew that I needed to move on. Yeah. And uh, I kind of, you know, with accounting jobs, it's weird because they only hire basically once a year. So like I had kind of missed it already. And so I was applying to jobs and um, I wanted to come back and just kind of interview. I, I kind of knew that um, I had a pretty good chance of getting one here. Yeah. So I just came back and I wanted to be here so I could interview. And and that's just kind of how I ended up here. Awesome. Yeah. Obviously your family's from there and you got a bunch of friends. So it was probably awesome to be back and being able to stay there full time. Yeah. And it, it, you know, it's one of those things where I hadn't, spent a winter here and yeah. I don't even like, you know, since I was 16 years old. So it was nice to just kind of come back and, you know, spend a, spend some time here and, you know, I'd been away for so long. So. Yeah. And so is your family from Lethbridge? Like your, your dad and. Yeah. My family's yeah. My family's born and raised in Lethbridge. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was going through some of your background just to get some, uh, some notes together for the show. And I saw your, your, your dad was obviously a big hockey guy uh, as well. Did he play juniors or, minor hockey through Lethbridge and then got into the junior leagues. Yeah. He played, played minor hockey in Lethbridge and I think he had, he had a chance to go play some junior, but just didn't want to leave home. So he just uh, stuck around here, but he played a lot of, uh, you know, in the men's league and stuff like that. And I, when I was young, I can remember going to the rink to watch him. And I know that's, you know, probably why I ended up being a goalie just, just from watching him. Yeah, for sure, right? It's just following his footsteps, really, at that point. He he can provide a lot of good knowledge, and the way he sees the game is kind of how you see the game at that point, too, so I could see that. But then you have your outlier with your brother, Mitch. He, he obviously yeah. is the player in the family. So uh, do you have any other siblings, or is it just you and Mitch? Yeah, I got a, I got a younger sister as well. Awesome. Sports as well? Yeah. Uh, yeah, she played um, some volleyball and, and softball and stuff like that, you know, school sports. and Yeah, similar to my yeah, family. She's a pretty good athlete as well, yeah. It's the classic three three kid family, two two uh, yeah. two brothers playing hockey and then uh, the volleyball. No, that's great. So yeah, is your brother? Well, how how old is Mitch? Is he uh, a couple years younger than you? Two so you years, guys never two years younger played, than me. Right? 
No, we never played together because we were we we're two years apart. So yeah, does that gap um, here? Yeah, the only way we would have played played with each other was like in, in junior or something like that, but never got the chance. So awesome. Yeah, well, like I said in the intro, like you had a hell of a, a junior career. It's it's awesome to to see kind of where you know when I left, you were kind of still in that midget age. Uh, when I left yeah. Lethbridge there. So it's, it's cool to see where you went and, you know, the the path that you took and carved out for yourself. So uh, obviously you started in Lethbridge and that was kind of, you know, where you played. So uh, growing up, yeah. what was it like, you know, playing with some of the, the guys I'm sure you still have a relationship with to this day uh, and some of the coaches, obviously you played double A AA and triple A throughout your, your time in minor hockey. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, you know, you make so many relationships and stuff like that when, when you play hockey and, you know, you still see all those guys to this day. So it's, uh, it's nice. And, you know, I really enjoyed my time through Lethbridge minor hockey. So met a lot of good people, a lot of good coaches. Yeah. And you played with uh, Tater and, and Gunderson, hey, pretty much for the, yeah. the two years that you. Yeah. So I would have played, I played with Gundy. I was, cause he's a year older than me as well. And, okay. and uh, we played together on, on the band AAA team. And then um, me and, me and Tater played the next year together, Bantam AAA. Um, and then play to get, play together again um, when we were both second year midget in AAA as well. So it's kind of cool, you know. We we grew up we were pretty close, and to get to play together was it was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Who's the coach for you guys in Bantam? Uh, I think Derek Lawrence. Oh, okay. Yeah, our, yeah. Our, that that, that time. was our coach in in Bantam, and then uh, I had uh, Warren Babe. Uh, and 15 year olds and then Doug, Doug Paisley and triple A midget. Yeah. I was wondering, cause elite prospects had, had missed, uh, I think that gap year, that midget 15s for you guys. The um, 15s. Yeah. Yeah. So who, so with Babery, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and Tater. And uh, so then you, you played a second year. Did you play, did you graduate in Lethbridge or did you move on to tri cities at this point? So yeah, I, I, uh, my 17 year old year was in tri cities. So, okay. um, I, I did come back and graduate from Churchill, but yeah. um, the first the first part of the season, I was uh, pretty much just doing online classes and um, a couple classes at school. But it's pretty tough to get those uh, high school classes in the states to transfer back here. So most of my school is online that year through Winston yeah. Churchill. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of nice yeah. that they were able to do that. And it's like the first version of online learning at that point, almost right. Yeah, and like that was like one of the big the big like reasons why I went there is because they, that's where all the hurricanes went and it's true. And uh, their, their counselor was there, like the guy that dealt with all their stuff. So he um, really helped me a lot just getting, you know, set up online yeah, and, and getting the tests and stuff set up. And so. Yeah. That's an interesting thing. I haven't really thought about yet is the whole concept of a Canadian kid going down to play in the Western league, but still in, in the high school, yeah. like grade 10 through 11 kind of thing. Uh, what, what is the, is it like a standard now that most people kind of stick with their hometown high school or wherever they were going to high school with? I think it's just different. I think it's different because it's so different in the States, right? Like yeah, just the school systems are so, are so different. So I, I know I remember being in, in a class and it was a social studies class and I was trying to get it to transfer back. And I went in there the first day and uh, the teacher was like, um, write down in your opinion, the top 20 um, moments in, in U S history. And uh, I was sitting there like, 
this isn't good. So I went up and talked to the class and she was like, yeah, you're probably not going to want to be in this class. I was like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Canadian. Like she's like, yeah, you're not, you're not going to like this class. So got out of it, took it online. And Did that you was do the assignment? Pretty much. What's the, I, well, it was just like one of those things where you like <laughs> handed in at the end to the, yeah. to the teacher. And I think I had like maybe seven of them down, like of the ones that I, that I knew, but I literally couldn't even get 10. So. Yeah, well, it makes sense. Yeah, it's like kind of like she's probably like, oh, well, that kind of makes sense too. It, it's always funny those Americans just dealing with Canadians just in any kind of situation. It's funny, but I couldn't imagine yeah. Yeah, a high school kid. What are, what are the best things about the U.S.? List them for us. It's like, oh, God damn. Yeah. But it's you also know, tough too. Like, there's just the, with the travel. Like, I know one time we were gone for two weeks, like missed a full, full two weeks of school. And, you know, the teachers obviously have to be pretty pretty lenient and stuff and but it's it's just it's tough to you know go through school and high school when you're when you're playing because it's just so much the time commitment and then you got practice that usually at you know one or two every day so you're just going to school half days usually but just trying to get the you know your online stuff done on the bus and whatever is pretty much what you had to do yeah it adds a different level of development for a young kid like that right of just being uh, you know, kind of thrown into the, just, yeah, thrown out there and have to figure out, you know, your yeah. academic piece while you're trying to figure out the major junior side of things too, and just living that awesome lifestyle at that age. Yeah. That's the one thing you kind of got to grow up pretty fast. You know, like sure. you, you get, you get, you know, you're a 17 year old kid, you get thrown into a, to live with a family. You, you have no idea who they are. Right. It's uncomfortable at the start. Right. But you grow up pretty fast and you, you know, you learn how to, to deal with it and and kind of be independent and get your stuff done with with limited time so absolutely yeah you got to give a lot of credit to those families that open up their their houses for those billets eh? it's something that you don't really think about and if you're, not, yeah. if you're not really into the hockey space it's it's a big thing for a young kid to go to a new home and you know find a new family basically to, to live with for the winter and you know it's yeah basically that first experience away from home and with with a brand new family so it's awesome uh, yeah, and I mean it's a big time commitment too for them. Like, oh yeah, you know those billets. Like, they you know they make you pregame every day and and stuff while you're taking a nap or doing whatever. So, um, it is a big time commitment for them. And and uh, you know, really grateful. I had two, I had two really good billet families that I was with. One in Try and then one in PG. So I was pretty fortunate. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's back up for a sec. Cause in the, again, in that intro MVP of the, the ammo, the Alberta midget hockey league, Yeah, <laughs> you know, that must've been awesome. Was it something going into that year? Like it was your first year in, I guess, in, in midget for midget triple a. Um, yeah. What was that jump like from midget 15 to midget triple a? And then, you know, as you were going throughout that year, you're like, Holy shit, I'm on record. Or I'm on pace for a pretty good year. And obviously you guys had some good success. Yeah. Well, I mean, that midget league's so good. Like, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, you know, one of the best midget leagues in, in the world for sure. And um, I had a pretty good year the year before in 15s, played a ton. Yep. And uh, we had a good team. And it was just kind of one of those things where kind of got on a roll. And, and to the, like, to this day, I think it was the biggest, you know, year for me personally, because I think it kind of got me in the conversation and got me on Tri's radar for the next year to, you know, because the crease was pretty crowded and try, and um, they had a backup that was a year older than me, 
And then they also had another guy on their list that actually won the TELUS Cup that year in, uh, uh, for the Canadian Midget Championship. So yeah. I think, you know, that year kind of like I end up signing and it kind of got me on the, the radar for, for the backup job the next year. So it was, it was a big year for sure. Yeah. And then, so that conversation that you had with the family and, you know, I'm going to be going a major junior route, obviously the NCAA, was that on your radar too? Is, were you talking to teams or was, actually you'd have been pretty too, too young at that point, I guess. Hey. Yeah. Like, you know what? Like my family had season tickets to the, the hurricanes growing up. So, you know, I grew up idolizing those guys and, you know, like if I ever got a chance to play in that league, I would have taken it. Like, you know, it'd be crazy not to. So at that point, it, you, NCAA wasn't on my radar at all. And looking back, I don't think I really knew yeah. much about it either. I don't think my family knew that much about it, you know, just the signing thing and, you know, getting rid of your eligibility. But um, I'm just glad it all worked out. So, but I, uh, it, I ended up actually signing with, Drayton Valley with Bass. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask if you had a, an affiliate yeah, so, somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So Jeff Bat had, had taken the job as the coach and GM in Drayton Valley. So um, I did end up signing there. And, you know, I, I think if I wouldn't end up making try, then probably would have went back there and it probably would have maybe changed some of the decisions I would have made, you know, just with NCAA and stuff. Cause I just didn't know anything about that at that point, really. So. Yeah, and obviously Major Junior back then, I mean, back then, it's 10 years ago. It's not too long ago. That mm-hmm. still for me, that's that's like the premier league that you want to go play in, right? Making that jump from the from the midget leagues to the WHL, that's every kid's goal at that age, right? And the NCAA is really not, it wasn't like on anyone's radar, really. Um, and it seems to be still to this day, the Major Junior route's the preferred route for a lot of the kids coming through the, the midget ranks now. Yeah, and I think that's changing a little bit. I'm I mean, you, you go down to those those college schools and play them, you know, when you're in the in the CIS and yeah. you know, it really opens your eyes. You're like, like, wow, it's pretty good down there too, right? Like I think that part's changing, but just for me, I grew up watching the Hurricanes and and that was the league I I dreamed of playing. And so I got the opportunity and and uh, it was no brainer for me. Just a big dub guy, hey. Yeah. Did you I, I was like I went to pretty much, I think I went to pretty much every game, Hurricanes game growing up when yes. I was younger, but whether it was with my, my parents or my grandparents. So who were some of the goalies that you remember that came through? Oh man. I'm thinking Mike goalies. Wall or something, not Wall. No. Like, and the thing is, I don't even remember the goalies when I was that young because I was, you know, I was, I always think of like, you know, the Travis Brigley's and, yeah. The Richies and O'Grady. and those guys, you know, all those, those guys when I was so young. And at that point I didn't, you know, I was, I was still playing player. So I didn't even think about, cool. about the goalies that much. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So did you have, uh, in order to make that decision, obviously it's a big decision to go away into another country at that age, let alone, yeah. um, a, a newer league and yeah, time or a couple of years left in Lethbridge. Uh, did you have a family advisor or some sort of agent at this point, or is it something that you just, you, you and your dad kind of worked out with some other advice and input from, you know, Bata and a couple other guys. Yeah. You know what? I, I actually didn't have an agent until um, basically after my 18 year old season in the, in the Western league, when I had that good year and we went to the, the dub final. So pretty much the decision was, 
you know, me and my, my parents and, um, one of the scouts, um, it's lives in Lethbridge for try uh, Dino Caputo. Okay. So he, yeah. he was kind of, you know, there along the way as well, just kind of, you know, giving me some advice and, and, uh, you know, kind of tell me what my, my options were. So. Yeah. Did you know anyone down there? Obviously Yellowhorn was there for the year before, uh, but probably not too many yeah. guys from Southern Alberta down there too. No, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't know anybody. Um, when I, when I went to camp there, when I got listed, yellow was still there. Yeah. So I, I knew him just from kind of skating with him in the summer and, and, uh, but other than that, didn't know anybody. And there were a couple of Southern Alberta guys there and I ended up living with, uh, Mitch McCollum, a guy from Calgary. Yeah. So there was some guys, I just, I just didn't know, um, any of them before going. And it was a good team. Obviously yellow. I think they went to the Mem Cup or the finals against Spokane or something. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I, I think they lost to, uh, I think they lost to Spokane in the conference final. Um, yeah. And then Spokane went on to win to, to win, the yeah. Cup. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking at yellow stats. It was just incredible. Like he's putting up those numbers back then. Yeah. And he could just shoot a puck like, and he just, yeah. he could just, yeah. And I remember like one time he, he got me in the, in the dangler and just like shot, like it just exploded. Like he could just, just fire the puck and they, they loved him down there too. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Like absolute. Yeah. Like just a quick shot. Every, all the highlights I see, he still posts them to this day. It's just like, yeah. he's so deceptive and just will like, it looks like he flicks the puck, but it's going hundred miles yeah. an hour. Yeah. It's just a good heavy release. Like. Yeah. And yeah, you give him a chance and he's going to bury it. It's great to see uh, those guys still playing together out in, in Europe, him or uh, Judd and, and yellow. Yeah. And Judd would have played in Spokane too. So they would have been, yeah, playing against each other in those in those big rivalries and stuff, but yeah, it's yeah. cool to see that they're they're still they're playing together and see them post on social media every once in a while. It's, it's it's cool to see. Yeah, so like going down to the U.S. to that division, that was pretty probably an awesome experience. And we get down there, uh, obviously it wasn't a you said a crowded crease. So what was the the goalie ranks and you know where did you kind of see yourself that first year and what was the development like as a, a young kid in that first year of major junior for a goaltender. Yes. So I, I went down and, um, so the starter was, was Chet Pickard yep. and he was, he just got drafted in the first round in Nashville, um, the year prior. So, and he, he was a stud, like he was so good. And, um, then they had the backup from, from the prior year and then me and another guy, um, out from Winnipeg that, that was the same age. So really going in, like, you know, obviously wanted to make the team, but didn't really have any, expectations of making the team and um had a pretty good camp and uh chet chet was away at nhl camp still so he wasn't gonna be back for um our home opener yeah so i mean just just kind of figured uh you know the the guy that was there last year would that had the experience would get to start the home opener but uh coach called me the night before the game and and he he was still deciding on who was going to be in the like two or three of us were going to be dressed and one wasn't going to be dressed for the home opener. So he called me and, and said, uh, you're in tomorrow. And I said, I was, you know, perfectly I'm backing up. Like it'll be a cool experience. And, and he goes, yeah. And you're starting. And it was, you know, got real pretty fast, but it was, it was cool. And then, um, so we were playing Kelowna and they're raising, they'd won the, um, the best, the best uh, record in the regular season from the last year. 
so they were they're raising their their first banner ever that night um, against Cologne in the home opener. So playing that game, and I think we ended up winning five two. And actually, uh, my family was there too, so it was a pretty pretty cool experience. Like probably the, you know one of those those experiences when you look back, and um, that one really stands out. You know, the yeah, first what, game, and then what was that feeling like for you? I guess when you're sitting in the crease, going through that whole celebration and the puck drops, it must have been absolutely surreal. Yeah, I mean, well, you, you go from, you know, playing Henderson to yeah. playing in front of 5,000 people, you know, so it, it it all like happens pretty fast. You know, when you go, when you look back and think about it, you know, 17 year old kid, you know, playing his first game, it's it almost like is surreal when you think about like how like that you handled it the way you did, because, you know, it's pretty easy to to not handle it you know, the best way and kind of let the nerves get, get the best of you. But I, I ended up playing pretty solid. It honestly, most of it's a, a blur of the game. Yeah. I, I remember my, the first goal I let in was Tyson Berry. But other than that, like, I don't like really remember anything until mostly after the game, but to see in my family and stuff like that. But yeah, well, two things. It's awesome your family is able to come down to share that experience with you. And, you know, that probably in the back of your mind provide a little bit of relief just knowing that. That's like the one thing that's normal is your parents come to the game, right? So, you know, just having that little bit of reassurance is awesome. Uh, you know, but the other thing of just being able to stay in the moment and like as a goaltender, you have to, right? right? I was reading some of those quotes that you have. It's just you stay in the moment and you live in that moment. So at the end of the game, you kind of forget what happened because you're just – hyper aware of what's going on at all times. And at the end of the game, it's just, you can't formulate the whole, the plot. And it's just, it's just weird how the mind works and is able to like block things out and then how you recall things at that point. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Goalie is kind of a weird position that way because, you know, if, if you think too much and you, you know, you stop to think sometimes, um, you know, things can go sideways. So, you know, it seems like most of the, the big games I ever played it, you like, you look back and you remember things, but for the most part, you know, you more, more remember things after the game and, and uh, you know, you kind of wish you would have stopped and, and kind of took it all in. But um, no, it was, it's, it's a pretty cool experience. That, that one really stands out though. The the first game. Did you win that game? Do you remember? Yeah. We, I think we won five, two. And then oh, yeah. um, I played the next game and we, I think we won like four, one or four, two against Seattle. So, and then check came back. Um, so I, I played the first two games and it was, it was cool though, because, you know, as a 17 year old goalie, like typically you'd probably wait five or six games to play. And looking back, it was, it was nice that I just kind of, they kind of threw me in there, you know, instead of, you know, having to wait and then, you know, nerves get even, even more. And so it was good. Yeah, get that over with right away. Hey, throw you in there. And yep. I mean, that's awesome for you. You get a couple wins under your belt. And, you know, that whole, am I staying here? Am I not staying here? That kind of went away, probably imagine after those first couple. And obviously, a, a great goaltender coming back to learn from and see, kind of see how he handles his business uh, in the dub, you know, being a prominent goalie like that. So, what was it uh, like for the rest of the year? And then, you know, going into the, the next year, what was your mindset and how, how different was it from that previous year? Yeah. Honestly, I didn't play much. No, after that. Like 12, 12 games, you know, Chet was such a workhorse and um, on it, like kind of struggled for the rest of the year. Like just, it's just a big jump going from midget to that. Like 
you know, when you're 17, like some, some days in practice, you're just like, I right, like, this is just, you know, too much, like just can't stop anything. But um, it, it's just, it's just a big jump. Like, and you know, the, you got 20 year old guys shooting on you and, and, uh, but it, it, it was tough to, you know, you went 10 games without playing and then they throw you in there and you try to be sharp, but um, it's tough. Did they, how did that work? Did they kind of just wait until the, you know, Chet needed a break and you got a under 500 team kind of coming in or like, how did, how did you plot your starts, I guess, of trying to figure out when you're going to play? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You, you kind of look at the schedule and try to, to map out when you're going to play, but you just never know. Like, yeah. And, and usually the decisions would come, you know, the day before the game, like they typically they'd probably they'd consult with Chet and see how he's feeling kind of thing. And then, you know, you, they tell you at practice the night before the day before that you're playing the next day, but um, no, it, it's just tough. Like it's goalies, a, a game where you kind of, or a position where you kind of get into a bit of a groove and the rhythm the more you play. So, um, you know, being a backup goalie is one of the toughest positions just because it is hard to stay, you know, sharp. I mean, you can practice all you want, but it doesn't really, um, you know, translate into gameplay. So, yeah, it's one of those jobs. It's like uh, you're on call really pretty much you're on call professional. It's, until yeah yeah right you're just kind of waiting in, in limbo until it's your time and that could talk, time could really happen at any point due to injury or just you know you, you catch a hot streak yourself and you're next thing you know you got the starter job so uh, yeah. but yeah going into that next year obviously that was a huge year for you 2010 obviously you took the team back to the western conference finals and then won mvp of that that must have been an awesome fucking experience yeah i mean th- yeah that year was was pretty fun i know like in the summer, they had uh, they drafted a, a Russian goalie. Yeah, I, I, I was wondering if they draft. traded or drafted him. Yeah, they, they yeah because I mean Chet was gone, and I mean they had me and, and another guy my age, and I think I'd played twelve games, and you know he'd played less than that. So I think it was you know one of those things where the whole fan base was probably just in an absolute panic, <laughs> yeah. and, and the team in a panic and. And they drafted the Russian kid, and he was good. He was drafted by um, Pittsburgh, and he didn't end up coming until about the second half. And uh, but th- that was a, a big, a big summer for me. Yeah. Um. Just was Stetter back home? Yeah, I was back home, and um, I was working like worked a lot with bats and like. You know, the one thing I give Bass a lot of credit for is like he was with the Hurricanes and and uh, you know he he always instilled that you know I was was good enough like yep. he, to be a starter. You know what I mean? Like he would tell me that I was good enough to be a starter um, because you know he had seen it. Like he'd been in the league for for a while, so that was a big summer. And then um, came into camp and had a really good camp again, good preseason, and then I just got on an absolute roll at the start of the year like I think I think I had 25 wins at Christmas and I think yeah. I played like I think I played like 32 of the 36 games so it was just one of those things where like it, 
I got off to a good start, got some confidence. We had a good team and we were playing well. And then it, you know, I just kind of rode it the whole way. Like, but even looking back, like, you know, there was a couple, you know, times I was like, you know, laying there in bed or whatever and just going like, like what, like what happened? Like, you know, cause it, it was kind of surreal. Like I went from a 17 year old goalie who sometimes yeah. couldn't stop a beach ball to, you know, being like one of the, the top goalies in the league. So, um, but it was cool. And we had a good team. And, and like I said, we kind of just got on a roll. Yeah. Well, what bad has told you there. I mean, that to me is like, like, that's what it takes, right? It's someone else to believe in you and understand like, you know, I've seen WHL starter goalies. I've seen where you are mm-hmm. and you're going to be in that situation. So, you know, believe in yourself and there's a tremendous amount of power in that situation, especially at that age. Right. And then you come into that situation, you start, you, you earn the starting spot. I'm sure there the expectations for you as the, the coaches, you know, as you're coming back in, weren't extremely high, but you know, you're setting a new bar for yourself that the coaches are like, fuck, let's just ride this as fast as we can, hard as you can. And sure enough, that you, yeah. you did end up one of the, the better goalies in the league that year. Yeah. And that's one of the things, like, I think it wasn't given to me for sure. Like, and I think that's kind of, you know, I earned a lot of respect for my teammates, I think, just because, you know, I came in, kind of took it and just never, never gave it up. And uh, I know, you know, even even that that year, you know, the coach, you know, just listen, like his quotes in the paper or whatever. And he just said, um, like, he was just playing so good. Like, I just let him keep going. Like, I can't, you know, I don't want to give him a night off. Like, he's just kind of rolling. So, and that's just kind of how it was. But, but that's just kind of how, you know, the goalie position is. You can get on runs where your lights out and then you can get on runs where you're, you know, just horrible. So. Yeah. And it, it's, it happens for everyone. You, everyone will go through that period of time where you get better drastically the next year. Right. And a lot of kids, it could even happen at 14, 15, 16, but it also could happen at 18, 19, 20, even a little bit uh, down the road too. So, you know, it's really, and then you could have multiple years like that. Next thing you know, you're playing the NHL. So, you know, what was, yeah, did you get some NHL bids? Are, well, yeah, like I never, you know, and that's like one of the things that, looking back, you know, it, it hurts because everyone just look, look at my size and, you know, just no shot, like no chance. Right. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to explain that to an 18 year old kid, right? Like, you know, the other guy at the other end, you know, I know he's worse than me, but he's six foot two. So he's going to go to the NHL camp, but you're not kind of thing. So, you know, that, that part was hard, but, at the end of the day, it's, you know, had a pretty good career. And um, that's just kind of one of those things you got to live with. But yeah, right. It's one of those things that just kind of you get pissed off with. And obviously, you're right. your absolute stud goaltender. So it's weird. So you didn't get to go to any camps or anything, hey? No. And, and uh, like I said, I, I j- had just got an agent after um, we had lost in the, in the finals to the Hitmen. So, um, there was a couple, a couple times where, you know, we had some, thought we had something lined up and then, yeah. um, whatever the team would, would, uh, sign a goalie or something like that. And then you, you get bumped out. That's just kind of how it is in the, in the free agent market. But, um, he, like that year, like had a couple meetings with some teams and, and stuff like that, which was cool. But, 
yeah, I just never kind of, you know, came to fruition. Yeah. Fuck. It's a tough one, but at the same time, it's a very small percentage of people actually get, make it to the NHL. Right. And the goalie is probably the hardest spot. And cause there's only really two or three spots on each team for it. Right. So. Yeah. And they kind of had, they kind of had a template of what, you know, they're, they're trying to project. They're not trying, they don't like, they're trying to project how you're going to stop pucks in the NHL. They're not, yeah. you know, projecting how you're going to stop pucks in the Western league. So they kind of have a template for, for what they want and what they think, you know, works, but you know, it's tough because, you know, a goalie's job is to stop the puck. And, um, and I did a pretty good job of that, but um, just, just the way that, you know, yeah. they want their goalies. They want them to be, be six, six, three, six, four. And that's kind of, it was kind of bad timing because like just, you know, 10, 15 years ago or whatever, if you were a five foot, seven, five foot eight D men, you wouldn't get a look, Yeah. but there was some smaller goalies, you know, back in the day. And now it's totally flipped. Like if you're a, you know, five foot seven smooth skating defenseman that can move the puck, like there's tons of spots in the NHL for you now, but um, if you're a, you know, a five foot 10, you know, five foot 11 goaltender, it's, it's pretty, pretty thin. Yeah. Well, fuck you should, you should learn to fight and then bring that out. Yeah. Into the game. Yeah. No kidding. Hey, yeah, or do something different. No, that's awesome. So yeah. then, well, yeah, tough go there. Obviously, Calgary's was a pretty good team at that point too, and you guys lost I think four, one, five there. Yeah, and yeah, that was just one of those, like you know, we we were probably like we were still pretty young, our team. Yeah, you know, it's kind of one of those things where we we had a lot of seventeen year olds, and then like you said, like the jump from seventeen to eighteen in the Western League is so big, like you see guys come back after a summer and they're like just totally different player. You know, like we had guys that were on our fourth line the year before that ended up, you know, being point of game guys the next year. So we were still pretty young. And uh, on, like even in the conference finals, um, we played Vancouver and they had loaded up at the deadline pretty good. And, you know, we probably had no business winning that series, but, um, you know, we, we ended up winning that one and then, um against Calgary it just kind of all fell apart and for me especially like it just kind of struggled in the first couple games and and looking like looking back um on it now um it, it you know being in Calgary probably hurt me a little bit just in, I don't want to call them the distractions but you know it was coming home you know my whole family was there so true. all my friends are there all my buddies are there at the game you know, a bunch of people from Lethbridge are there. And, you know, it, you know, for an 18 year old kid, you don't realize how much that is to handle. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's a lot, Oh yeah. you know? So, and, you know, looking back, like it probably would have been better if, you know, the finals was in Brandon or something. Um, but still pretty cool. Like I think the, the flames were already out of the playoffs. So, you know, the saddle dome was sold out. Yeah. So like looking back at, you know, pretty, pretty cool experience. And even just to be in the, in the, uh, the, what the Western League hockey league finals and still have my Jersey from the, the, the finals that has the Memorial cup patch on it and stuff too. So pretty, pretty cool to get to that point. And I, I think it was the first time and only time, I guess that try has been to the final. So, um, till to this day. So pretty cool to be a part of that. Yeah. That was well, fuck. Yeah. Absolutely. Take, take pride in that for sure. <laughs> 
uh, yeah. until they until they go back and win it, right? And, and then you, you have something over you at that point. But yeah, I know you're exactly. exactly right. That's a, such a cool experience to you know get to the finals in the WHL and be able to start in that situation. You know, you come back home and you do have that friends and family being able to come to the game. Too bad it wasn't a, a home to, for you guys to start. And then Cal- came back with a couple wins to Calgary. That would have been a different right, story, yeah. I guess, too. Eh? Yeah, and they they kind of just mopped us the first two games and. You know, it was one of those things where they were they were a wagon though. Like they were yeah, they were so good. And they were old and they had loaded up at the deadline. And um, you know, you looking back, you wish it would have went uh a little bit better, but still pretty cool. It was, you know, me versus Martin Jones. So Fuck yeah. Um were you guys he was pretty back highly and touted and what's that? Were you guys bussing back and forth? Or flying? Uh no, we did uh we did a charter. Um and uh, on the way, we bussed on the way to Calgary. Yeah. And then uh, we took a charter with with the Hitmen back back to Tri Cities. So. Oh really? Cool. Fuck that is kind of cool. Yeah. I guess. Hey. Yeah. So they kind of just split the front and front and back of the plane after we just got mopped by them for two games. But. Yeah, they're like laughing at you guys. You're walking through. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well have been. Yeah, load up the back. <laughs> No, that's pretty cool. I mean, that, that experience right there at 18 would have been pretty awesome. Like, you feel like you're a pro at that point. And it, it, that's why the WHL is such a cool experience. And I highly suggest if you're in that situation where you're that younger kid and you can make that jump and you are confident you can make that jump, absolutely go for it. Because you do earn scholarship along the time or throughout the time you're there. So, you know, whether you want the, the Canadian version or the U.S. version, you still get to have that student-athlete experience. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the clo- closest thing to playing pro hockey without pro hockey, right? Like, you're playing 72 games, long out, like, traveling. You know, you're playing in front of, you know, 5,000 to, you know, whatever, 8,000 people, you know, mostly every night. So, it, it is a pretty pretty cool experience. And when you're, when you're that young, like, you just, you just think it's the best, right? Like, you just oh, yeah. think you're the coolest. Signing yeah. autographs and shit. Yeah, you know, you're signing autographs. You just you think you're the coolest, but it, it does make you grow up pretty fast too, right? Like you kind of learn. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you have good coaches, good teammates around you, you get some success like that. It really does help shape your character, and I think that's something that's the most invaluable thing about hockey. I I do think, right? You know, that, that team yeah, experience. Yeah. So, yeah, those those life experiences, you know, that you just you can't be taught them, right? Like you kind of have to experience it and learn from it. And I think that's one of the biggest, you know, things that you take away from hockey, you know, today in your, in your, your career and stuff like that, other than, you know, some of the connections and stuff that you made, but. Yeah. So as, as you're, well, then you get traded, right? That following year. Right. Yeah. So I got traded in the summer. What Out of the blue Um, or did you know that was kind of coming? Well, the timing of it was a little surprising. I wasn't totally surprised that I was going to get traded because yeah. they had signed a, a pretty highly touted sixteen-year-old uh, that was coming in, uh, Eric Comrie. Yeah. So, and they, they wanted to play a decent amount. Like I think they wanted to play half the games. So I think they just kind of knew that wasn't going to work. But I was I was told that I was going to come back to camp, and then. Um, you know, kind of go from there. But so I oh, got out of the gym one morning. Yeah. Yeah. I got out of the gym one morning and I had a, a 
voice a voicemail from from the GM. And honestly, I didn't think anything of it because typically I would go down um, a few weeks early and and help them run a hockey camp. So I, I had reached out to them uh, the day before just to like say like, hey, like, um, do you want me to come back for the hockey camp? Like, when does it start? Kind of thing. So I thought like I was he was calling me, you know, to to yeah. kind of follow up on that, and and then he. Um, no, he said he said uh, he retreated on the voicemail. Um, no, no, I called him back, oh, and okay. actually, actually the the broker she actually texted me before I even knew um, from from the GM of Try that I was traded. So he must have been because he was he was in PG um, right? playing for PG, yeah. yeah, and so he he would have known. So um, yeah, once I I did I didn't call him calling the GM back, but I already knew basically that I was, I was traded. So yeah, well, fuck. I mean, that must have been a pretty awesome thing knowing you're going to play with Hirsch up there and have that exchange yeah, with them. And, and Pilling we, was up there too, right? Pills and uh, oh, Taylor Macon. Macon. Yeah. Yeah. So there was, there was, uh, you know, three other Lethbridge guys. So, and, and they were, we were supposed to have a really good team too. Like it was, it was one of those things that, you know, I was like, I was a little bit just dis- like a disappointed just because I would have liked to, you know, kind of see, see that opportunity with try through, like, you know, go on one more run because yeah. they were going to have a really good team again. And, and there were some records that I probably could have, you know, broke, like come some of Carey Price's records and stuff like that. Right. Like just one more year, but, but uh, no, it was one of those things where I was excited and um, PG was supposed to have a really good team uh, that year. And then uh, Brett Connolly made the NHL, so that kind oh, okay. of you know hurt hurt our our chances pretty good, and I ended up going pretty young. So that was a bit of a different experience because I, you know, all three years in try we were, you know, a team that was battling for, you know, to be the best team, and then you go to kind of like that, and you're on a younger team, and you're just kind of fighting to make the playoffs, kind of thing. But yeah, living in northern BC, yeah, and the travel. In PG, yeah, I mean, fuck. What was it's it like? bad. Like, I think, well, it, I think our closest game was seven hours away to Kamloops, you know, and that's the closest. So it's like, it it is a big disadvantage, yeah, yeah. you know, for those those teams because it's it's a grind. Like you're on the bus like all the time and um, they, they did have a, a sleeper bus so with yeah. bunk beds and stuff on it. So, you know, that part was nice, but, you know, you play, play on a Wednesday in PG, get onto the bus at, you know, 11 after the game and you, you just drive through the night yeah. to, to Kelowna or something, you know, nine hours, whatever it was. And then, you know, you get, you get up and then you get off the bus, go to practice right away, you know, and then go back to the hotel and, and kind of sleep. So that was kind of what life was like in, in PG travel wise. Yeah. It's crazy. It's such a disadvantage really. I think like you're especially, yeah. I'm sure there's times where those highways are shut down. And you can't even go and you're sleeping on the bus, just stranded. Yeah. And I mean, in PG there's, you know, all the snow and, and stuff like that. And, and, you know, honestly, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why the Western league has struggled in the Mem Cup because, you know, 
those teams are, you know, they play and they're, they're grinding and they're traveling way more than, you know, some of those Ontario teams, you know, they go 30 minutes down the road to play a playoff series where, you know, you can be going from tri cities to Brandon, which is like, you know, fuck yeah, a full day bus flight. ride. Right. Yeah. So like, uh, that's, I think that's one of the reasons it just, just even over the course of the 72 game season, it's a lot of miles on the bus. And, and I think that kind of takes a toll. Yeah. I just, again, that's something I didn't really think about until you just said it. It definitely plays a factor in, in into that, right? Cause you're all, you're coming at the end of that. And if you just got a quick 30 minute shot down the road for a seven game series, it's way different compared to that brand to try cities. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, PG. even in comparison to the U S division, like the U S division is, a bunch of game day travel like you know you you got spokane two hours away from tri-cities you got um seattle and everett four hours away you know portland's four hours away so like you're doing a lot of game day travel and it it doesn't quite take its toll on you as much as as traveling you know the day before all the time being on the road being in the hotel room all the time so you know it definitely makes a difference Oh yeah, for sure. I, I, you wonder what it would be like to invest in a team plane from up there and just kind of fly everywhere. Probably a little yeah. more expensive. I mean, but... Be a little more expensive, but it, I mean, it, it would probably help. But yeah, fuck yeah. Well, no, it's awesome. You got to play up there for that year with Hirsch, man. I mean, that's such a, a yeah. tragic story there. But you know, just being able yeah. to share that experience, it's something that you probably hold near and dear to your heart yep. with you. Yeah, and and uh, you know, obviously, he'd been there for a couple of years and. So his, his parents were really good to my parents too. Like just, you know, here hopping with me, um, you know, we'll, we'll go together. I'll drive you up there and we we'll go together and, and stuff like that. So they were a big help. And even, even Hirsch, like he, we uh, carpooled up there, you know, just, he's just one of those guys where he would, he'd do anything for anybody else. Right. Like, Oh yeah. So he was always like, yeah, yeah you don't know where you're going. Like here, I'll you know, follow me kind of thing. Oh, I so it's pretty cool. And it, yeah. Yeah. Him being up there for a, year, a couple of years before you guys and be able to like, yeah, this is, this is the community. Cause I'm sure he probably made a name for himself up there at that point. Yeah. I mean, everybody loved him. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, like he, you know, he pretty much, I think he was an assistant captain and he was 17 years old or whatever he was. Right. So he was a yeah, pretty special guy. Um, just looking back and it, it was cool to, you know, be able to play with him. Absolutely. Yeah. And those, again, things that you'll fucking take with you forever. So, um, yeah, but yeah sure. so throughout that experience, obviously the CIS was now, like, you want to get your education, I'd imagine. Um, was it on the forefront of your mind, you know, from day one? And what was your, what was your kind of strategy and the thought process of what kind of teams you wanted to go to? And what were the recruiting process like out of there? Like, how was that whole experience? Yeah, so I di didn't really, like, I mean, at the start of the year and, and throughout, I was still, you know, playing for a contract an NHL contractor yeah. you know trying to go to go pro but um you know never really thought like too much about it until I started getting some letters in the mail and and phone calls and stuff and um honestly like I just really thought I was going to end up going to the U of L. like that was yeah you know staying at home playing for the horns like that you know kind of grew up you know watching those guys as well and, and hanging out with them. So it, I'd never like really thought about going anywhere else until, um, you know, we started to get some calls and, 
and uh you know Saint FX was offering to fly me out there after the season was done for for a week and you know see the campus and and stuff like that and I was like you know thinking to myself well like like I might never get a chance to get a free trip to the east coast like I'm taking it yeah like I'm going like I mean I might as well go look and check it out so I went and I like just fell in love with it like just the you know the small town college town feel um really like the coach the the one thing that the, the coach you know he he'd called me once um during the season and basically just said um you know folks on the rest of the year I'm not going to call you one more time until your season's done and we'll set up uh you know a trip for you to come out and I really appreciate that because you know you had some some guys calling you every second day you're still trying to you know finish out your season trying to get in the playoffs kind of thing so um but yeah I just I went out there and you know, fell in love with it. And, you know, that was one of the really tough decisions I had to make though was it was between, you know, U of L or, or St. FX. And, um, honestly, I, I still wanted to go play, play pro after. And, um, there was, I think there was five other guys from the Western league that were, we were kind of chatting a little bit. And, um, actually one of my, one of my good buddies, I, I played uh, summer hockey with when we were really young, played on Spokane and uh, we were stretching in warmups one night. And uh, he's like, Hey, like, what do you think of her next year? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like the St. FX school was like, you know, on me to go out there and for a trip. And, and he was like, he's like, yeah, uh, put in a word for me. Like let's go together kind of thing. So when I was out there, I, I told the coach, yeah, this, this, uh, Stephen Kuhn guy would, uh, like, like to come here too. Like, do you know anything about him kind of thing? And they're like, Oh yeah, we, we've watched him a couple of times. And, and he ended up, we ended up going together as well with, with four other guys from the Western league. So it was kind of one of those things where like we had such a good recruiting class that you knew you're going to be in the mix for national championships for all four years. And, um, just, I thought that was a, you know, a pretty good opportunity and, and the best opportunity for me to go play somewhere else after. So, yeah, it's, it's so just that word of mouth in hockey is probably how most people get their spots on rosters. I, I would assume it's obviously you got to have good people talking about you to come. They want to go and then you have to prove it yourself to, yeah. to make it. But, you know, being able to go into uh, your first year like that with a couple other guys that, you know, you're going to maybe have a powerhouse team must have been pretty awesome. Not not knocking Lethbridge at all, but there is mm-hmm. different like the competitive natures of the programs might be a little bit different. So did that kind of weigh on your mind at all? Yeah. Like, like I said, it was, it was a really tough decision. And, and honestly, part of this decision that I, I wasn't sure that I wanted to, to go to school at home. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I wanted to go away and like kind of fully experience the, you know, the college experience and, and uh, just when I went on out, went out there, like it was like a, a town of 5,000 people. Yeah. And the school was about 5,000 students. So like the town basically, it was, you know, a legitimate college town where, you know, we were the, the hottest ticket in town, you know, like our game, you know, we'd have anywhere from 800 to 1200 people in the rink a night. So just, just that kind of college town feel like you get kind of in the U S in the States, you know what I mean? Like 
where, you know, people recognize around town and recognize in campus, like, and just that just was sounded pretty cool to me. And, and just to go experience the East coast for four years too, was, was pretty appealing. Yeah. I want to go to Antigua Nash. I've heard a lot of good things about it out there. And so you guys, I think we, at Merrimack, we played you guys a couple of years before that. And then you, you went back yeah. to Merrimack too, right? For, for an exhibition game or Boston area, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my first year we played, um, we played UNH a couple times. Yeah. Which was cool. And then we played, uh, Northeastern my first year. Um, and then we went, we did BUBC. Same. same and, weekend? Uh, yeah. So back to back. And, yeah. uh, we, we played, so we played BU on the, the Saturday and we lost 2-1 and they scored with like. Was um, Eichel there? No, it would have been the, it would have been the year, maybe in the year before Eichel. Okay. Or the two years before Eichel. Um, so yeah, we played, we lost 2-1 to BU. I think they scored with a couple minutes left on, on like a point shot that went in off her own guy. And then the next night we played BC. And it was when they had Goudreau and uh, Hayes were on the line together. Yeah. And I didn't play, thank God. Um, but we went up 2 nothing after the first, and we were feeling pretty good. And I think we ended up losing like 7 or 8-2. They're, yeah. Like Johnny, they're... Johnny, Johnny just said, like, hey, enough's enough, basically. Yeah, back then. We're not sure. losing to these guys. Like, yeah. And then, um, then we – did uh, yeah UNH again, and then um, yeah I think we did did Merrimack once or twice. So, but it, it's it's really cool to go down there and and like kind of see because it's something you just like if you don't ever go down there you never experience it, right? So um, just seeing like their facilities and and uh, the rinks and the crowds and the student section and stuff is is something that even in the Western League you don't experience that, right? So it's always fun to go down there. Yeah. College hockey in the Northeast is, is pretty awesome. It's I, same thing kind of in Midwest with those like North Dakotas and Minnesotas and those kind of right. schools out there. Yeah. It's awesome. And it seems to be growing. Like uh, as long as yeah. the, the facilities can support the programs and you know, who knows what will happen with COVID here, but probably put a delay on a few things for a couple of years, but I, right. I, I can imagine the Northwest will be very similar in terms of college hockey division one, if they can sustain uh yeah, WHL programs like that, there, there's big schools that could yeah. easily support some D1 programs. Yeah, and I know when we were in uh, in BU, they took us on a, a tour of their gym and stuff, yeah. and like it, it's nicer than NHL facilities. You know, well, just so much alumni money comes back through there that wants to get yeah. funneled right into the hockey program, right? And that Aganis Arena was, it must have been well, it was newer when I was there in 2008, 2012. So, but they they would pack it every night. Five yeah. six thousand oh, kids and we actually, screaming. We played uh, Maine as well, which yeah. was like oh, the, probably the coolest one. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that rink is crazy, hey. Yeah, we went up there and I can't remember when, middle of our season, on like a Wednesday to play them, and it was just jam packed and like the the fans are on top of you, like they're like over your net basically, like they could literally just spit straight down on your on the top of your head. It's just like an old like crazy like just you know cool rink and 
you know, one of those like experiences where you look back and like, you know, that was pretty cool as well. In warmups when the puck should go over and the, fa- the students would get them and then just start firing them back. Yeah. At you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, crazy. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's just cool that you got to have a little bit of that experience too, while you had the Canadian experience, right? You guys were pretty good. So it must've been awesome. And then yeah, so- and the games were always competitive. I, like, I think we, I want to say that we, you know, when I was there, we probably won, we were probably 500, pretty, pretty close to 500 going down there. So, you know, it's, it's, it's cool to, you know, go down there and kind of like represent um, college hockey up here too. Right. Because it doesn't quite get yeah. the the same amount of recognition. Right. But, but there's so many good players in the, in the, in the U sports league, right. Like that people just don't understand, but you go down there and you play against those those guys that are, you know, first round, second round draft picks and you, you hold your own. So. Yeah. The, it's a different development path too, right. Through the junior program. Like it, it really is yeah. the kid that hits their stride at 18 to 19 to 20 kind of, right. year, but more 18 year old kind of at that point. And then, you know, once you do have a chance to go down to some of those schools on those fly downs, it's, it really is an eye opening thing. It's like, Holy shit. This is awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, no it, it sounds like your, your hockey career has taken you all over at least North America um, you know, and it's yeah. something that you look back on and you, you, you thank the game for what it provided for you. And, you know, hopefully if you do have kids or, you know, you can give back to that next generation of student athletes, they, they kind of share those same experiences and hopefully their lives are shaped from those experiences. Yeah. Like I mean, looking back hockey, the places hockey takes you and the, the people that you meet along the way, you know, it's like just so much, you know, more valuable, when you look at it, I didn't how than it, you know, than anything else really. I mean, you, you, everywhere you go, you see people that you know or that you played with, right? Like, you know, and it, it'll probably be even cooler once you, you know, you start having kids or whatever, and you kind of start seeing probably more of those people at the rink as well. So, absolutely. Is it? Uh, are you playing in many, any men's leagues or anything? Yeah, so I I do play men's league, but I I just play player. Now, basically, oh, do you? Like, you're playing out now. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I'll play, I'll play a couple games here and there, goalie. But, um, you know, it's it's weird because I've kind of found like a new passion for the game, and you know, I love going in the rink and playing. Like, I have so much fun, awesome playing, playing out, and it's just kind of cool because you know, after all those all those years, and you still love the game, right? But you know, sometimes going to the rinks, like, you know, seems like a job, but but now it, it, it's one of those things where I, I love going to the rink at, you know, 10.45 p.m. in a snowstorm to play to play out. <laughs> so it, it's kind of funny how that, that happens, right? But it's also, it, one like, it's just easier on my body, too. Yeah. Like, you know, my hips and stuff are a little tender from the old career. And, um, you know, strapping on the pads once a week just really doesn't doesn't help so yeah i found that it's just so much easier my body playing out that's the whole goal of hockey though is to make sure it's a lifelong enjoyment that right so if you can find your second wind and you know you're playing out and you really enjoy it you know that that's really what it's all about in my opinion yeah and you know some people in beer leagues probably just absolutely hate me too because i'm just having a good time out there and they're you know there for the beer after the game or whatever but i, I don't know I, it just you know, you you play goalie all your life, and then you don't get to score any goals, and then 
you know, you play in the rec league and all you want to do is score goals. So yeah, if I pad the stats, like <laughs> who, who yeah. do you play with? Like who's on your team down there? Well, I, I played with um, mostly like my brother and, and some of his buddies when they were, they were going through university still. Okay. So like all the his university buddies, we had a team and then um, played it with uh, the Davis team uh, last year. And then I, I guess it all pretty much got shut down by, yeah, by COVID, but I, I still in this in the in the summers I usually play with the Sunday crew with like um, you know Waddy, Ryan Watson. He's yeah. still nasty out there, and and some of those guys. So it's fun. I enjoy it. And like I said, I I just it's kind of one of those things where I find I find a new passion for for the game and like going to the rink and you know trying to score. So that's what it's all about. That's right. Yeah, yeah. celebrating <laughs> and shit. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. Well. Again, appreciate you taking the time, Alice, and, and joining joining me for an episode. Is there anything else that you you had written down, or any thoughts that you wanted to impart for us? Or no, not really. I don't think. I think we pretty much covered it. I don't think I had anything written down to to awesome. go over. Well, yeah. I mean, fuck, golf season's upon us here. Hopefully, short shortly. And yeah, I played my first round on Saturday, so hopefully the wind should, cuts should out. Good. God, it's like a hundred miles. Hundred wind. Yeah, it's like yeah, I know. again today. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't know if it's supposed to be too bad this this weekend, but we'll see. Where are you playing? Playing in the morning too. So country club. the country club. Yeah. Remember there? Yeah. 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 This is yeah. the first year I've had to, to I had to, to get a share. So sweet. Yeah. So that's a big that's a big move out. for you. Yeah. Now you're in. Aged out. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah, there so. for life now. No, that's a great course. Yeah. If, I mean, when I'm in Lethbridge, I'll let you know if we can get out golfing at some point. And yeah, for sure. Go play Paradise yeah. or, or Country Club. Are you, you living in Calgary now? Yeah, living in Calgary. I actually just, we just moved okay. out. We bought a house in Willow Park. So Willow Park has a golf course and there's Maple Ridge okay. right, right there. But um, if you're ever in Ca- how, Calgary. How long have yeah, you been in Calgary before? I've been here now for two, three years. Okay. Because you were still no, two in. two years, two years. Because you were still living in, were you living in Boston still for I, a bit? I was in Boston and then I was in Chicago for a couple of years. And then I, Oh yeah. Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Made a pit stop. How was that? How was Chicago? Not for me, to be honest. It was no, like the, well, it's a cool city. Don't get me wrong. It's a really cool city, but yeah. it just, it was too big for me. And, you know, not playing hockey, you know, just right. living just a general person in, in Chicago it was way too big for me. And you know, kind of got lost, yeah. but, and then I, when I came yeah, out to Calgary, uh, I found it was so awesome. When I came back here, it's yeah. perfect size. Yeah. When we, uh, after my last year at school, we, me and my roommate, uh, drove home. So we went down through the States and okay, yeah. and caught a bunch of baseball games on the way home. Yeah. So we, we, we did Chicago for a couple of days and stayed in like, uh, like Wrigleyville down there is just yeah. nuts. Like by, oh, yeah. by the field, like every bar is just jam packed after the game. Like you can bring your own beer in there, like just wild, but. Seemed like a pretty cool city. I was only there for a couple of days, but do you, you see White Sox games? No, we didn't do White. We did two games at Wrigley. We didn't do any White Sox games, but um, we went like we went uh, down. We did Toronto for a couple of games, and then we went down. I think we did Detroit, and then Chicago. Went to Minnesota. Yeah. So we yeah we kind of made a little trip out of it. Milwaukee it caught some. Caught some baseball games and stuff, but no, that's awesome. Yeah, those road trips are really awesome. You can go different ways too, from east to west right. coast. So yeah, it's yeah. 
you know, you don't make it too often, but when you do, it, it is a pretty cool experience going through some of those states. Yeah, for sure. And uh, just that Wrigleyville, though, was just wild. It kind of just stood out. Uh, did you, so you stayed right by the field kind of in that area? Yeah, we stayed right in the area. Yeah, that's um, nice. Because you could party literally we, all night. We were, yeah, because I think we, we were walking distance to Wrigley, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, hopefully the, the borders open up again. I know you're a big baseball guy, so I don't know if you make yearly trips down there to go to games, but. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, it's more just missing the summer trips to whitefish with the boys going golfing and, and, you know, messing around down there, but hoping somewhat soon we can go back, but. Absolutely. Well, yeah, now that I'm back in town, Alice, we'll have to definitely get together and I'll, uh, I'll let you know I'm in, in Lethbridge. Yeah, for sure. Get all together with, with all the you goaltenders I have on this podcast and have some. Yeah, all the, all the goalies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I gotta get Gundy on here still, so. You gotta yeah, that'd be a good one. That would be a good one. He's just with his business and stuff now. He'd probably be a pretty good interview. He's got a baby, yeah. That's great. Yeah, awesome. he's got a baby, yeah. Okay, Alice, again, appreciate it, man, right. and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, no problem. All right. Thanks for having me. Yep. Take care, man.